Welcome into the Ball Bros Podcast. I'm Sandy. I'm Nick. I'm Jake. And we're about to bring you a little bit of sports and a lot of nonsense, so sit back and enjoy. Make sure your fridge is running. Gabrielle Coldwin. Here we are at the Ball Brothers podcast. We're about to go over our redraft special and, you know, kind of a few takes we want to look into today. We got some bold takes. We kind of have how we're going to look at uh, first couple picks, kind of how we want to prepare. We also have a little bit of this and that that we're going to hit you with later. Some dark horse. Yes, sir. It's going to be a fun episode. So let's get started today. You know, we, we kind of want to just go over what it would look like ideally for our first couple picks. Nick, what are you looking at this year? It, ideally for you, how this draft would play out for you. So the spot that I'm drafting from in our main league this year is after Jake, and he has the first pick. I have the second pick. So, Jake, do you want to tell me where you're going to start? Because that determines a lot about mine. We'll start with mine. So as of right now, I'm going to draft Jonathan Taylor. Um, I get both sides of it. I know know what people are going to say, but I I want the safe pick because the thing is on my second pick on that turn to the two, the three, I know there's a lot of nice running backs that should still be there. So if I go John Taylor one, I'm immediately, if all the other big names are gone, if Saquon's gone, which as of now he probably will be. Hopefully. Aaron Jones, Javante, that's who I'm kind of targeting um, in that second pick to then grab a stud and, you know, hopefully a decent wide receiver in that turn to the third. Um, How does that kind of affect you, Nick? So where I'm looking at – I'm obviously going to take CMC if I have the second pick and John Taylor's off the board. If CMC is gone in a league, I'm going to have to look at John Taylor. Derrick Henry is pretty similar players. Let's just assume I have CMC. So CMC, if I'm in the second round, that gives me enough comfort to say I can take a guy like Debo. I can take a guy like Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. Those are some guys I have on the board, and that's where the ADP sits. You know, the ADP also has Saquon down there, but like you said, it'll probably be yeah. gone. So. Really, if you get somebody like CMC and you really are hoping for him, like I am, I feel comfortable with a wide receiver. If you do get CMC and you're not comfortable with his health, take another running back. And that's a good point. Like, So what I was saying with, with CMC, you get him at two, and then in that you know 19-ish range, there is going to be some just steady guys. I mean, you're going to get an Aaron Jones. You're you going to get Leonard a Chubb. Fournette. You're going to get a Chubb, a Leonard Fournette. Those guys that are more safe that can bolster you just in case some, he goes down for a couple just weeks. Just in case. And none of us are doctors. Yep. Right. Yeah, we don't know that it'll happen. So. Yeah, I mean, I like – in this year's draft, having one of those top two picks is always going to be the big advantage towards you. You know, you're going to be a guaranteed potential for the RB1 or two. You know, we already know what McCaffrey is going to look like potentially at full health. If he is fully healthy – Number you know, one. Yeah, by far. And then, But it's not to discredit Jonathan Taylor. I think – Derrick Henry last year may or may not have finished out that position without getting injured, but we know what Jonathan Taylor is going to be capable of. And I, you know, no matter if you take him one or two, that's not a bad pick whatsoever. John Taylor, in a way, had a more consistent year last year than CMC's had before. Now, it was only about two weeks where he finished as a number one running back you know, top 12 guy. It's kind of a crapshoot, you it know. It was 11 straight weeks. Can you believe that? If 11 you, straight weeks of getting a top 12 running back, if not top five every time. If you want to win your league, you can take both of them. But I think if you really want to win your league, you definitely do want McCaffrey, ideally. But it's, it's a bigger risk. If you it's have the preference. balls for it, then yeah, you're going McCaffrey. Yeah, Jake. You're, I'm scared of you tomorrow because <laughs> I think you'll wake up tomorrow and you'll think, I might change. I want to I win. I might flip-flop. Uh, CMC. 
We'll see. Yeah. Sandy, how about you? You know, I am the opposite side of the spectrum here. You know, you all get to pick one and two. I'm over here at pick nine. I've been salivating over the idea of what possibilities I can have. You know, for me, it would be great if I could turn around and have a great one-two wide receiver, or not, excuse me, running back. You know, but Two running me, backs? Yeah, that would always be the idea, you <laughs> know, the ideal situation. Too. But for me, I kind of almost see this year's draft there being the same opportunities with those running backs in the early bit of the second round. It's hard for me not to go with a guy like Jamar Chase. That's In my ideal draft scenario, I've taken Jamar Chase, and I've been able to flex around there around that 12th pick and gone with the DeAndre Swift. And you got a one-two punch there that makes sense. You're going to have a very, very high potential for points, and they're just likable guys to have. Two top five guys. I think at the res- uh, positions, respectfully. Okay. I th- I think Chase, he, he could be gone. So, say, go in a scenario like this, you're ninth. John Taylor's gone. Christian McCaffrey's gone. Austin Eckler's gone. Derrick Henry's gone. Dalvin Cook might be gone. And then you got the three receivers, Jamar T- Chase, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup. Having heard all that, those eight guys are gone. Who's your pick? So Excuse say me. let's say like eight is those eight that I just mentioned are gone. So you're looking at Najee Harris, uh, say Joe Austin Mixon. Eckler. Uh, Eckler's gone. Yep. It, it makes it harder, and you know, and realistically, ninth pick. Diggs, I'm not maybe. I'm not going to go Stephon Diggs. I think I probably would even reach on like an Alvin Kamara, knowing mm-hmm. what we know now, and then potentially second round. I stay. I st- think I would stay true with a Swift. You know, that's a heck of a one-two punch. Yeah. I mean, Kamara it, Swift. It works great. They're similar ceiling guys, and you know, assuming health and assuming the game plan revolves a lot around them you're going to be very comfortable in that because I know I could fill my team later on with a lot of playmakers, but early on, you know, in the season, those guys will have the chance to make their, you know, names. No, I love Chase of the nine for you. I just don't know if he'll be there. It's worked out on a number of my mock drafts I've ran. Who knows, you know, cause this is where this is our main league. You know, a lot of guys want to be competitive. So, you know, there is a good chance that he's not there, but in a home league, I think running backs go more in the first round than wide receivers. So it leaves the opportunity for there to be like six running backs taken, three wide receivers, and what if somebody takes Adams instead of Chase? And you have that Devontae Adams pick there, or you have Chase, you could have you know, a pretty good opportunity to go wide receiver running back. Is that what you're looking to do? One and one? If the running back situation isn't ideal, you know, I best case scenario for me, and like I said, this is very best, would be if I got the opportunity to take Austin Eckler. If I can take him and f- turn around and get like a digs, yeah. Mm. So flip-flop him. But realistically, I could see myself getting Jamar Chase. I've seen him more times than not be there around the 8, 9, 10. And I definitely am not going to, you know, skip over him because I know I can get a good running back. But Chase is generational. All right. Well, you want to move on to some surprise dark horse picks here? I think so, yeah. Absolutely. Jake, what are you looking at? So this guy, I'm going with Alan Lazard. Um, and this is specifically for redraft only because I don't love that whole wide receiver room in dynasty going forward. But I, I like Lazard this year um, for where you're getting him very late in these drafts. And he's probably going to be the wide receiver one in, in that offense. I mean, they have a 200 plus target hole with Adam leaving Adam's leaving. So, I mean, he's going to get some targets this year and 
And I mean, Aaron Rodgers said he was happy for him. He said he's been that guy that's been that third string wide receiver and he's worked his way up to one. And he said he was happy for him. It's next man up. You know, I think places like Green Bay, places like Pittsburgh, you know, just to name, because I know, you know, and I am going to have a little bit of bias here, but I know Pittsburgh's receivers over the years always had that next man up mentality. And, you know, I will say Green Bay's a lot like that. You know, the only guy that's on that offense that has any sort of deep connection would be Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. Mm -hmm. The rest of the guys are completely new guys. He's got to have that relationship established. So Alan Lazard, I can 100% understand. He's got that opportunity in front of him. At the end of last year, the last three to four games, Lazard had 18 points, 13 points, 16 points. Wide receiver 8, 21, 13. He had a dud in there where he was wide receiver 64. Mm. But at the same time, you're getting a guy who's already proved it before that he's consistent. You know what you're going to get. Aaron Rodgers knows what he's going to get, and that's the most important part. Is he look, He's looking for a guy who he can trust. That's what Aaron Rodgers is all about. To get the wide receiver one in the Green Bay offense in the, what, 10th, 11th round? Late. That's nice. And call me crazy, Green Bay is always going to be known for their passing. You know, as great as Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon's potential can be. As long as Aaron Rodgers is there. No. Yeah, you're not crazy because they got A-Rod. No. He's, he's Aaron Rodgers. No. He's Who's not, your guy? For me, I may be more on the line where it's I've definitely dependent on this bust, boom or bust factor. But I really think the opportunity that we have with Gabriel Davis up in Buffalo is huge. You know, he's going to immediately step in after, you know, he had his big playoff game and that made fantasy owners go crazy. I was one of the people that sold him. But also, you're talking about a guy who's going to step in and be wide receiver two in Buffalo in that heavy pass offense with Josh Allen. You know, what's not to like? Exactly. He has the upside of being, a, in my opinion, a low-end wide receiver one. And he's got a floor of being a flex. You're going to get at least a flex-worthy player no matter what. You combine Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders. Oh, right? Like the combine the targets that they oh, lost yeah. between those two There's guys. Like and Isaiah McKenzie's going to get some and Knox will get his goal line. But Gabe Davis is going to get a lot of targets this year. My only thing that scares me with Gabe Davis is his targets. We look at last year and again, you know, it. I think it took that playoff game to bolster his name up into that conversation. But if you look at the regular season, Gabriel Davis, what scares me the most is he only had five games with over five targets. So I see that number doubling. Starter. But I see that number doubling. And those, came, those numbers came up at the end of the year, right? Three of them did. Yep. That's when it matters. Mm -hmm. That's when it matters. And, you know, all you got to do is go for, you know, 200 yards and four touchdowns in a playoff game, and you got everyone on your Imagine side. Imagine if they won that game. Imagine his role, what it would have been by the Super Bowl. Would it have been higher than Stephon Diggs? No. No, but, uh, of course not. But Diggs also last year was, you know, it was honestly kind of a bad year for Diggs considering the missed opportunities, some overthrows, some miscatches. Yeah. That's going to bounce back. Gabriel Davis, you know, you're not going to want to reach on him, but he's a guy that if he slips to you, you Both know. Both of them are going to be great. Yeah, you want a guy like him. Josh Allen speaks for himself, and if you get a good receiver that you're going to know that is going to be throwing the ball – you got to want them on your team. The thing about both guys you mentioned is their quarterbacks have an unbelievable touchdown rate. Mm. You're getting a wide receiver that's hooked up with a great quarterback, and they have an opportunity that's gone up this year. These are guys who are ready to fill these roles. I mean, hopefully with Gabe Davis, he was pretty much a mirror image from his rookie year to his second year, except he had the big blow-up blow game in the d divisional round. I love Gabe Davis, but if Stephon Diggs catches 11 touchdowns, that's going to hurt him a lot. 
I don't think it'll hurt him as much as people think. 11 touchdowns. Josh Allen is going to throw a lot more than that. And you got nine to Dawson Knox. Yeah, Dawson go. Knox could very well see a, a rate reduction, but I don't see him dropping off too much. I think I just, out of the two, Knox is a more healthy option touchdown-wise than Gabe Davis. Yeah. Either way, I think all Buffalo receivers, there's a high potential there. You know, running back situation, not so much. But the anybody involved in that passing game there is going to have the potential to be a very high ceiling type of player. Exactly. And that's why he's a dark horse is because people still don't know. I don't think anybody will know for a little bit. I think it takes a couple of games into it, but I think people will know pretty soon. What yeah. about you, Nick? What are you looking at? I'm going to go with Travis Etienne. He's my dark horse player at running back. I think he's the kind of guy. I'm not worried about James Robinson. I'm not worried about oh. what the Jags are talking about at camp when they're talking about him having a, you know, he's back to his old self. I don't care. He tore his Achilles. He's done. I love him in my eyes. I love him too. He, I don't even see him as a sleeper dark horse guy. I say he's the guy that he's not going to be hidden. It's just because of the injury that we call him that, but how do you haven't even seen him play? That's true. I think that's fair to Nick's point. Like we we're praising him and I love him. He's on my team. I I literally love NTN, but we haven't seen him play. So that's why it's fair to say he's a dark horse because we don't know. And he could be a top eight running back. That's how I see him. The, in Jacksonville with Doug Peterson there, he's going to have an opportunity in an offense that's going to be way more, uh, what's the word for it, efficient. It's improved. Than they were last year. It's improved. I and mean, I think Lawrence is going to dump the ball off. I think he's going to see a nice amount of those pass Those are college catches. teammates. Yep. I mean, he was one of the best receiving backs in college. I think that's going to translate here. He has an Alvin Kamara-esque mm. kind of game to him. Absolutely. I think the biggest thing that helps NTN is the fact that the passing game just isn't there yet. And... With that being said, you look at the Alvin Kamara during the time you know when you only had one other main guy to throw the ball to, you know, similar to that situation there. I think that a guy like NTN can feast. I think he'll be able to finish out top ten running backs when it's all said and done. And if he gets two hundred carries and a hundred targets, he's going to be a top twelve guy. He'll probably be taking top five in the draft if that happens. That's yeah, what I was about year. to ask. Is since this is a redraft. What's like the what's the latest round or the earliest round? I should say that you would go for ETN. The earliest I would take ETN is if I'm at the back of the third, or maybe the beginning of the fourth. That would be the earliest I would take. So him. if we're playing like two flex league, like what we're playing, yeah. if he's your flex slash maybe best case scenario, be, he's your third I'd running be, back. I'd be okay with him even being my running back two and going a little wide receiver heavy. Mm-hmm. That's how much that could I trust be a good, him. Be a good option. Yeah, because, I mean, he's a guy you want on your team. He's high volume, high ceiling, yeah. not a very low, you know, not a very high risk guy. You know? I don't think he has a low floor. I think he has a high floor, and that's, that's going to be solid for your, even if he's an every week start. That's why I'm so confident with him as an RB2, because if you have a wide receiver that can step up and, you know, at the beginning of your draft, like you say, you get a Tyreek Hill and a Debo Samuel kind of combo wide receiver at the back of the second or back of the second, early third come all the way back around and you have a chance to get ETN at your RB2 at his actual draft position, you're not reaching on him at all, you're going to be fine. Yeah, I, th- I don't think any of these guys could truly be declared sleepers because I do see a higher ceiling, but but it's the fact that all of them have that same sort of unknown factor. That's why you have to classify them. As None that. of them have done it before. All, exactly. three of our, all three of our picks have never been their first option on their team. There's only one guy in there, though, that hasn't played. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it so so intriguing to it's go so, for him. It's very appealing because right now you're drafting him at his, what I think it would be his floor. Mm-hmm. If he if you knew next year after watching him all this year, like he's a running back too, 
I mean, at best, this is where you would draft him anyway. That's completely fair. Yeah. Well, why don't we kind of take a little bit of a break from more of the redraft? But, you know, we kind of change it up here. Jake, you had a little bit of this and that you wanted to run by us, right? We're going to go some this and that. This is redraft. Still the same. We're going to do Sandy? some, some inter-divisional and inter-conference matchups on the quarterback spectrum real mm, quick. Okay. So we really haven't done quarterback much on, on the this or that. This is a big one first off. Herbert or Mahomes? Herbert. Mahomes. Herbert. Redraft. One year. I'm taking Herbert. I'm probably going to go Mahomes. Redraft especially because we don't know what's going to happen in Kansas City. We know what Patty Mahomes is, and we know the targets he has. We we know the potentials there. But we know the peak of what the Chargers offense can be, and we know what Justin Herbert – is capable of doing you know i wouldn't say we know the peak i think we definitely know the peak for the mahomes led chiefs offense and i like where that is and i you know i'm excited for the justin herbert led chargers but at the same time i think they're going to be pretty similar i think they're gonna be a lot closer and people are giving them credit and when it comes down to it i you know i think that mahomes runs the ball a little bit more the chiefs are going to mix up the offense so they're going to have him spread the ball around he's not going to throw as many interceptions this year hopefully because he's not forcing the ball to tyreek hill 30 yards down the field (laughs) <laughs> and you know part of the part of the issue with the Chiefs last year is every team knew how to guard them yeah. play cover two sit on Kelsey go deep and they had nobody else who was getting open this does, year they're going to spread the ball around does it change any bit as far as like you know does it take away from some of their deep threat uh that's why you got Scantling I like Valdez Scantling a lot I'm even taking him at the end of some drafts because I think that he's going to have some games like he did in Green Bay I think, if anything, their offenses definitely are a lot more similar than years past. You yeah. know, if we were talking about last year, I'm going Patty Mahomes. But I just can't seem to pass up the idea of you having a season Keenan Allen. You have a Mike Williams who's hungry. He's coming up. And you got still the guys like Eckler. You know, you do have some younger running backs as well. I think the biggest question mark for Chargers, you know, is who's going to step up and be that tight end one. You know, Gerald Everett looks fine. I like Gerald Everett. Parnham is good too. But, but don't forget, Herbert was number two last year. So he was. He already. He already I mean, was. He already two. was I don't great. See him. Yeah. There's no. Qu- I don't think there's any question so, marks about either of these guys' talent. So the question is, do we think Patty can get to one? Because if yes. two is where Herbert's at, then that means he has to go above Herbert. And it, be number one. If overall. Josh Allen falls off a one, then yes. But you got to go through both. Patty hasn't Josh been number Allen. one since 2018. I still see it from Patrick Mahomes, man. I'm still keeping the faith because okay. I think they're going to be better. I think he's getting better, and I think he has. You know, Herbert is great. Herbert has more physical tools, or maybe they're they're more similar, I guess. But when it really comes down to it, I think Mahomes has the it factor. Justin Herbert hasn't really even he hasn't even made the playoffs yet, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, I look at that as if I'm picking one of these quarterbacks straight up, fantasy or not, I'm going with the guy who I think is the guy. Great discourse. He's the face of the league. Great discourse There's, on that. Let's go with another another interdivisional. Joseph Burrow, Lamar Jackson. Lamar. I would say Lamar too, just because of the rushing upside. Yeah, if we're talking fantasy, definitely Lamar. If we're not talking fantasy, I might say Burrow. For the guy who's taken his team, I mean, the thing is they're very similar in that. They have the same leadership qualities, 
Burroughs just got the benefit of having a lot more guys around him that can make him look better too. We're not talking about, you know, Burrow being carried by these guys by any means. But it helps to have Jamar Chase oh, and T. Higgins. And I mean, Joe Burrow, Burrow and was Tyler seven Boyd. overall last year with one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Only because and missed he a had, game. And, and missed a game. in terms and of fantasy, I don't think Joe Burrow is going to be that guy. No. Joe Burrow made a Super Bowl with that same team you were just saying. Lamar Jackson, his team was entirely banged up. He was banged up. Yeah, and now they're worse this year. They don't have Marquise Brown. They don't. But I think what helps them is, you know, the healthiness of J.K. Dobbins and potentially Gus Edwards will be a big factor into how well Lamar oh, Jackson How efficient will be. they are, how many scoring opportunities they get. Because Lamar can't run for 100 yards and pass for 300 with the team they have around them. No. that's a, I agree with Nick on that. It's like it comes down to how much can Lamar rush because there's no more Hollywood there. You have an unproven Rashad Bateman, even though we think he's going to be good, but we don't really know. Their only proven target is Mark Andrews, who we like, but we don't know about J.K. Dobbins. So, uh, you know, and he's off an ACL. Yep. So, yeah, good point. All right, let's go one more here. Um, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott. Hurts. Hurts. Okay. Hurts to say it, Dak. Hertz was, was nine last year, and Dak was eight. So I they're, will they're so speak similar. from deja vu here. I had Dak Prescott last year, and don't get me wrong. I, when he's at his best, he's undoubtedly one of the top quarterbacks in the league. But when he's cold, he is ice cold. He had I a number had two overall it. season in 2019. We forget about that. Oh, I mean, he was the number one quarterback overall a couple years ago when he broke his ankle. Remember that? I mean, they were lighting up the league. They had that game against Atlanta. I think he had like 40 fantasy points. Dak has always been that guy, but when it really comes down to it for me. I think Hurts has more upside rushing because Dak doesn't run the ball anymore. Nope, not since the foot injury. And A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, if he gets 12 touchdowns and he gets 1,000 yards run after the catch, or even if Jalen Hurts finds a way to connect with him deep, and let's say A.J. Brown gets 15 touchdowns. How many touchdowns wow. does Jalen Hurts have? 25? 30? Yeah, at least 25. I'd say higher than that. Because and then, and then we what, forget you also touchdowns? have guys like you know Devontae Smith. You have Dallas Goddard. You do have other options. I think the difference being Philadelphia decided, let's go ahead and get ourselves a potential all-pro receiver and, and help our quarterback. And well, Dallas they want to see if he has it. waved Amari Cooper goodbye <laughs> and said, all right, CD, you're the man. Yeah. And while that's fine on paper, Dak Prescott just doesn't have enough supporting cast to make him that guy without the rushing element of his game. I don't, I don't think he's going to have more touchdowns overall. And one of them is going to have 10 rushing touchdowns. I think it'll be like 35 touchdowns maybe for both quarterbacks is the peak mm. for this season. I'd rather have Jalen Hurts. Third. All right, let's switch up. We'll do a little bit of tight end action because I don't think we've done that either. Okay. Top, this is a little more top of the board right here. George Kittle, Darren Waller. Kittle. I have to go Kittle. And I'm, this isn't we're not having much disparity here, you no, know. No, not here at the end, but I don't think Waller's healthy. He may not even start mm. the season. Mm. Waller is a question mark. And then last year it would be a little bit tougher to answer, but this year, you know, assuming Kittle, I haven't really heard a ton of reports about his health, which is always good news. One of those but, teams gained the one of the top five wide receivers in the NFL, and the other team did not. That's the big thing also, for Darren Waller. We also have to factor in Trey Lance. Yeah, yeah we, and don't, I think, we don't know. Yeah. I think with Lance being on the offense, that may help Kittle. It really may. I still like Kittle. You know, he's probably the the most athletically gifted. He's tight the best end. overall tight end. He was number four last year, and he, like that kind of like in a mediocre about season. It. Yeah, like he didn't do much. That's because yeah. he has those. He has two games in a row last year with thirty-five mm. fantasy points, and then follows it up with a game with two points. 
That's why people don't feel like George Kittle is the top five tight end. It doesn't feel like it anymore. Mm. But he really has the potential. I mean, if they opened up the offense, he could be the number one overall tight end. He, he was a very boomer bust guy. Oh, every every week you start him and you're scared to death. But you but, can always tell early in the game. That's the worst thing about it. Because if he doesn't have any targets in the first quarter, he's going to finish with two points, four points. Absolutely. If he had, in some games, he has like 20 targets. Right. Yeah, I mean, George Kittle, just what he brings to the table, he's going to be the number one target on that team outside of Debo. And and you love what you had the opportunity with with Trey Lance. I don't see anything negative about the situation. Kittle only goes up, you know, in that regard, yeah. higher than Waller. If Lance hits. All right, last one. We're going to go Dawson Knox and Pat Fryermuth. Ooh, I go Knox. Man, these just aren't too difficult because I love Fryermuth, but Dawson Knox is just, at least for a redraft purpose, has the higher ceiling. You know, you have Josh Allen. Who does Fryermuth guarantee he has throwing him the ball? That's true. Ooh, I mean, Knox, is, Knox, his peak last year was eight, and Fryermuth is already 13 in his rookie season, and he's going to be more established this year. I say in a dynasty level, no doubt I'm taking Fryermuth. Yeah, of course. But we're talking about redraft. The Buffalo Bills are now Pittsburgh's two years down the road at, at, in the minimum. How many touchdowns did Dustin Knox have last year? I mean, he, he's only 25. We forget about that. Let's see. He had nine touchdowns. If he gets he gets nine or ten again, probably. Nine to yeah. 12 touchdowns with Josh Allen, you're going to love having Dustin Knox. And he's, he's shown us that he's, he can make big plays. Yeah. I don't really see that too much. But we don't have a huge difference there. You know, on the contrary, of course, you know, we are talking about a very banged up and old Big Ben throwing the ball to him. But Fryermuth as a rookie, like you said, you know, he finishes pretty high for a rookie. He had seven touchdown catches. Ooh, he was great last uh, year. 79 targets out of 60 catches. He was an efficient pass-catching tight end. He is what you want to have in your system. So, yeah, I mean, I 100% if you're looking at two, three years down the road, a guy who I 100% want on my dynasty team, yes – but redraft, Dawson Knox takes it this year. He is on your dynasty team, isn't he? He is on my dynasty hey, you team. You make me sick. <laughs> All right. Who wants to do bold takes? We got some bold takes here. That's for sure. I mean, I, these are tough because most of mine will revolve around a couple of guys who are older. You know, they're guys that I don't even know if it's truly a bold take anymore or whether it's just, like I said earlier, the next man up. You know, eventually it comes to every single player that walks through the in and out of those doors in the NFL. But who would be your first one, Jake? So my first one is Mark Andrews will not be a top three tight end this season. Wow. That's a big one. Why? <laughs> I need Kel an answer. Kelsey, Pitts, and Schultz. You think Dalton Schultz is in there? He was third last year, and I think he will be again, especially when there's no targets there. Every target's going to be going to he Schultz has, of the red zone. He has the opportunity for high volume. I don't disagree with he you there. He was three last year. He'll do it again this year. Mark and I think Andrews. Pitts goes up to two. I, the reason that I have this is because once Lamar went out, Andrews scored his most points in those last four or five weeks with Tyler Huntley. With Tyler Huntley. Yeah. So, and he was good before that. Don't get me wrong, but he was like three or four before that. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's where his true position is. And, you know, I was the big beneficiary of this one, but you know, I think you look at that 41 point performance. Yeah. Funny. It's great. You beat me with that. I it remember was, that. It was awesome. And I think that raised the bar for Mark Andrews to where it's almost un, unachievable to repeat. I'm not saying he couldn't, 
but it makes it so hard that you do go out there and you make yourself tight in one. You're not the Travis Kelsey. You're not George Kittle. You're Mark Andrews, and you have a great situation, but it's not the same as those other guys. He's still just as good a route runner as any of those other tight ends, hmm. and he still is the number one option in Baltimore. I like him That's for true. a tight end, too. That's where I, I don't have him like far. It's not like I have him at nine or ten. Like I've got him probably at, at four, but just as a bold take is one mm-hmm. I wanted to throw out there. Now he's not being drafted in a, in a lot of leagues as a tight end one. And yeah, back Kelsey of the first. I mean, that's a bad pick if he's going to yeah. be the fourth tight end. Yeah, he's had multiple years where he's you know depending on what standard PPR league you know he's been a top five basically the last three years and been top two in standard leagues at least in two of those last three. So. You know, there's a reason he's considered that, and obviously it is the recency bias. You you have a guy who did that, who was number one. It makes it hard to not takes you know to not put him there. So I understand that that bold take. Yeah, looking at Mark Andrews, he's got all the talent in the world and the opportunity. It'll just depend on how big a season the other guys have. Really, mm-hmm. fair enough. I bet you, Sandy, what's your bold take? I, I think mine is Saquon Barkley is going to be an RB one. He is going to be the RB1. The. the. He's done it before. He's done it before. And last year, he had a very solid year last year. Coming off of the injury, he had a fairly solid year. Now, was it anywhere close to where his ceiling is? No. But Saquon Barkley, I love him. I've only heard positive things this offseason. I think he's determined. He's going to be the workhorse of that offense. He said he's ready to kill. (laughs) That's the type of guy you want on your team, is it not? I love Saquon. I'm drafting him in every league that I can. I have him in Dynasty. I think that he's 25. He's, you know, the best running back prospect anybody's ever seen. Him and McCaffrey are up there as some of the most talented players in fantasy we've ever seen. When it comes to Saquon, people just don't like the fact that, you know, he tore the ACL, and then he had that weird freak, like, basketball injury where he stepped on a guy's foot, twists his ankle, swells up like a, a cantaloupe in his leg, comes back, he's in the, you know... The, who, who was it last year? Joe Judge? The Joe Judge-led <laughs> offense? Are you kidding me? And now that's why I'm worried about every Patriots player in the world because they have Joe Judge and Matt Patricia calling plays, but I don't even want to talk about that. When it comes to Saquon, he's going to get, you know, 120 targets maybe in a new offense with Daniel Jones dropping the ball down, him running routes. So if we're, if we're saying that, then basically he's Christian McCaffrey 10 picks later. Yes, yeah, or, right, or because more because you're, you're begging on him being healthy. He could be and returning to his former. You glory. could get McCaffrey and Saquon depending on how fearful the rest of your That's league is. Crazy. Think if they yeah. were both healthy for a whole year, you had with them. At if one you're two. if you're playing to come in first place, you get both of them. Absolutely. That would be the perfect world, 100. Yeah. percent That's yeah. what my dynasty team looks that, like. That's either going to win you a championship or you're going to be crying yeah, by week four. Lose, yeah. 100%. <laughs> 100. One way or the other, that's the kind of game you play with fantasy. Nick, what would you consider your biggest bold take? I think DK Metcalf will be a top eight wide receiver. That one does surprise wow. me. Wow. I don't. I don't think that people are giving the man enough credit for being what now a fourth year wide receiver just got paid, big body. We know he's talented. When he has Russell Wilson, people would look at him as a potential top three wide receiver. He was a top two wide receiver last year before Russ broke his hand in that Rams game. When it really comes down to it, I don't even think he'll be that bad with Geno Smith. He won't be that bad with Drew Locke because it won't matter. It won't matter. Look at somebody like DeAndre Hopkins. What did he do his whole career with bad quarterback play? Absolute bums. He went off. Exactly. (laughs) And now we're looking at somebody like DK Metcalf. And is it because he has the blue hair? Is it because of the pacifier? Is it because when he was being drafted, he was a third round pick and not a first round pick? No. 
And we've he's been, a talented we've guy. We've been saying this. We've been talking about it a little bit. He's not Tyler Lockett. He's not a guy that's dependent on a huge bomb every now and then to, to make up his scores. He's going to get eight targets every single game, maybe more. He is and he's quarterback. He is quarterback proof to a to a point. I think it will catch up to him when you have Geno Smith or Drew Locke throwing him the ball. Will he be that high? I have a hard time seeing it, but because of the fact Even we know if they're who losing. he is. Even if they're losing, what are they yeah, going to do? They're right. going to throw it up you to him. throw the ball. I'll take garbage time DK for a couple of years until That's they true. get another good quarterback. Garbage time points are the best points in fantasy. Let me tell Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why, you know, at the end of your drafts, pick up some of these guys on bad teams. And get some high upside. Yeah, no, I agree. Jake, what are you what are you looking at? What's your other, you know, what's another bold take you so got? So this is uh, this is for f- all of football, not necessarily just dynasty. Had to throw one in. Tennessee Titans missed the playoffs after being the number 1 seed last year. I like that. I like that bold take. I just don't see a ton of evidence, you know, disagreeing with that statement. <laughs> I mean, like, Derrick Henry will have to get 2,000 again. They they play all of the AFC West. So there's four. There's potentially four L's right there. Like, they play every single AFC West. They play the Bengals, the Packers, and the Colts twice. That is a brutal, brutal schedule. And, and how good is Ryan Tannehill? And they lose A.J. Brown. Yeah, you don't you and you replace him with a guy that has a ton of question marks as it is with Traylon Burks. So it's like you, it's a huge potential downgrade. I I don't ever like just saying writing off a rookie wide receiver because it is dependent on a ton of things. But it's hard to argue that there would have been a lot of guys that could have been either you know sustainable or an upgrade from AJ Brown. You know, you're gonna more than likely take a downgrade there. You know, and that kind of led me into mine. You know, another one of my bold takes I did have, I kind of teeter-tottered on this one a little bit because, you know, speaking on Tennessee, and I'm glad you brought him up, Malik Willis will more than likely take over as quarterback, I would say, by week 10. I think if the Titans wow. are 5-5 five and five by week 10, do they sit around and say, here, Tannehill, go ahead and lead us into they a do. missed playoff? They absolutely or, do. Or do you let – Malik Willis come in and get his snaps. No. If they're five and five, they're fighting for that playoff spot. If they're four and six, three and seven, then absolutely not. Then they then they do. I Willis. think it just depends on how well Ryan Tannehill looks. If they're five and five and he's mediocre, why not run run it out there with Malik Willis? In that case, I think it'll depend more on what we've seen out of the preseason. And it was Mike Vrabel very not happy with Malik Willis, very not happy with how he played in that first game and his inability or willingness to actually throw the ball he said I put him in to throw it and he's just running the ball I mean it's like a cliche to say it about a quarterback like Malik Wills but that's why he fell I think that is really what it is they NFL teams didn't think he had the ability they proved it when they didn't draft him until the third round even the Titans had multiple chances to take him when it comes down to it if he's you know if he's playing well in practice and they're three and seven which is the number I think it would have to be once they're out of playoff contention, right. that would be the time that they would put in Wills. But until then, Absolutely. they still have too I much just, money in Tannehill. I don't Absolutely. have the confidence in Tannehill because no, he, came into, he came into the offseason when he knew about Malik Willis, and he kind of felt like the team was already discouraged with him. He's never once you know, been a top-five fantasy quarterback. And we're talking about a guy, he's not been surrounded by a huge amount of talent at the receiver, but you have had a guy behind you know, you're running behind you with Derrick Henry the last few years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you do lead your team fairly well, but could that have been more on the defense? Or- I don't think anybody's denying that he's a mid-quarterback. We all know that. But their defense is 
as we saw in that playoff game, is going to be incredible. That's probably going to carry them through most of their games. And if Henry's back. So nobody's denying that Tannehill's not a good quarterback, but I just don't see Willis taking that step this year. Yeah, the Malik Wills take is wild, though. I do like that. that. That's a good one. That's a good one. I, that's bold. I just see it potentially happening. The Titans would have to have a monumental breakdown early what in the season. For I just it spoke to about happen. it. They, that could happen. You're it talking could. about a couple of teams not or a team not making the playoffs, right? Let me yeah. tell you about a couple of teams that I think will make the Super Bowl: the Ooh. Bills oh and the Vikings. <laughs> it's actually that's ironic. I when I say this is absolutely uncanny. No. I made a prediction a couple days ago. If I could find it here, he's got a notebook, guys. Yeah, I got a notebook. Let God, me find I wish this. you could see this. I was gonna this. wait to bring. He's this. gotta find his tab, his tablet that he he chiseled in stone. His post-it notes in it. Yes, there is. I was going to wait to bring this up because you know, I wasn't sure if I would been too crazy for saying it. I can't find it in here either. <laughs> you can't find it. it is somewhere. I had it in here. I, What'd I wrote you say? Off. Was I'll, it the same thing? It no was, way you predicted the Vikings going to the Super Bowl. I did have the Bills going to the Super oh, Bowl. Oh, okay. However, well, who however everybody has the Bills however, going. However, however, I don't think I picked a NFC team making it. Like, I don't think I picked it yet. But I did have the Vikings <laughs> winning their division. And when I look at that NFC, what? I'm not impressed. I'm just not impressed with it as a conference. I think not the best deep. teams, I'm the Niners. Either, but they cannot beat the Rams. The Buccaneers are going to take a step back. I think they will. I think they, they will, could definitely beat the Rams. They Philly, will not beat the Rams. Philly is the best team in the NFC East, and yet they're, that's not saying much. They've, been, they've had That NFC East has had a team make the playoffs with a losing record. The, the two best teams. The Eagles are terrifying every yeah. year no matter what because I think that when they can run the ball and they have a good defense and if Jalen Hurts cannot turn the ball over, that's a scary team. The Rams are obviously scary because they won the Super Bowl, but probability-wise, probably not going to make it back to the Super Bowl. The Bucks are a threat. The only reason they lost is because they lost to the Super Bowl champions. So really, that's all it comes down to. The NFC is weak. There's no doubt about it. I can't see them getting past the Rams. Though. I don't see Trey Lance getting in the Super Bowl this year. Oh, God. It, for me, the NFC comes down to the Rams-Vikings. Is it going to be the Saints with Jameis? I love that. I thought well, about the Saints. You know it, what? Let's transition into that real quick because that brings up one of mine. Oh, I, I've got the Saints winning the NFC South and making it to the conference championship game. Wow. I love that. I really almost picked them in the Super Bowl, so you know I'm behind you, bro. I mean, I think you said the Bucks are scary, but I think they do regress. Their offensive line is in shambles right now. Godwin, yeah. we don't know when we'll be back. I think they take a couple steps back. I still think they win 9 to 11 games, but... Might win 12 games and still not make it to the yeah, Super Bowl. absolutely. I think the Saints, they, they did a lot this offseason. I love what they did. And the if James can come great. out healthy, then we'll see. Leaning into that, because we talked about the Bucks there... You know, any any idea of what their receiving core is going to look like this year? We know who they have. We know who they just acquired. I hate that I know this is coming. I wish you didn't tell me. <laughs> and Sorry. for me, it's the fact that you line up Tom Brady at under center. Good Lord. And this is why the Bucks won't be the top, because they're going to be under duress. I think Mike Evans is their best receiving talent. But this year, I think while Mike Evans leads the team in receiving touchdowns, for some reason, my gut's been telling me that Julio Jones will lead the team in receiving yardage and catches. You're insane. Both, not just one. He both. And Wait, catches, catches too? And catches. Oh my god! <laughs> I didn't even know that. I thought it was just yards. And this, oh, this is banking off if Julio Jones stays healthy. He was shaking uh, his head, confirming, <laughs> "Yes, absolutely." <laughs> no, it's, there is no healthy. Say they're all. Say he's healthy for the whole year, and Mike Evans still misses a couple games. 
He's still not. That's insane. Man. I love Mike Evans. Trust me. But this is a weird year for the Bucks. Godwin might, Godwin might miss the first four games of the year and still have more. Will have more catches than Julio will. I just don't think Julio dropped off as hard as people are thinking, and, and it didn't help that he went to Tennessee. I think that made him look a lot worse than what he really is. So I think going to a place where he's been able to kind of take his time to recover. You know, he's going to go into a pass-heavy offense. You have Tom Brady throwing you the ball. He's in a great state, you know, you know as far as temperature in Florida. He's going to be in living life. To Sandy's point, no one would have said that same thing about A.B. Oh, man. Well, A.B. was great, great last year. That's AB what I'm saying. So like, good, And we, we yeah. were – everybody was like, is this really going to work out? He hasn't played in a while. And they're like, so that's fair. That's fair. A- Tom Brady has got the fountain of youth in his backyard. You think he's letting Julio over? I think he's let him over already. You think he's spending the night? I think well, he well, we're not talking about the same, you know, we may not be mental. on the same page. We're not looking at the same mental health. I don't think Julio by any means needs that room Hopefully at not. Tom Brady's house. <laughs> but sleepover. Julio would be hungry. He wants to go down as one of the greatest wide receivers yeah. in NFL history, and I think damn sure he will. If he you could get him at the game. last pick in your draft and he leads the Bucks and catches in yards, I will throw up. And just know you heard it here first from you Sandy, from our own Sandy. That was truly insane, bro. <laughs> Nick, what about you? One more bold take from you. Well, let me tell you who I think will be Rookie of the Year. Who? Chris Alave. I love it. Yeah, love I like it. that as well. I love it. I like that. <laughs> ah, go. clever. There's it no reason clever. he can't be. He's got. We talked about. It, he's got the highest floor. I think wide receivers right now are coming out of college way more ready for the NFL. And this is a guy who even stayed for an extra year. People think that because he stayed for four years and he was never truly a dominant number one guy for the team, it could be a red flag. I think him and Michael Thomas, Jameis Winston, we already talked about how much we like the Saints. Mm -hmm. He's going to get 120 targets potentially and be super valuable. 80 catches, over 1,000 yards, almost 10 touchdowns. He would have a monster rookie year. I I can see it. And that would be the reason why you'd win Rookie of the Year. And none of those numbers would break any of the records ever set the last two years because those guys are <laughs> out of this world. I'm not saying he's going to be Jamar right. Chase, right. Justin Jefferson, <laughs> nope. but nope. he will be Rookie of the Year. That's a, I, that's a great pick. I, I agree with that in a lot of ways. You know, for the last three months leading up to, you know, our rookie drafts here, I've been loving the fact that, you know, around the fifth, sixth pick, I was, every time I was like, man, I'm going to get Chris Olave. It's a great pick. I've been so <laughs> quiet about it. And then recently, the way he just exploded on the scene, you know, we've seen the injury with Ken Walker. I think some other guys have slipped on the draft boards. Traylon Burks. Mm. Yeah, just a number of guys who I think were higher early on have slipped, and Olave's only continued to impress. Yeah, and you know he's going to be solid. You just know it. It's one of those guys that's almost too easy of a pick. The Saints always have a track record for having impact players. From Ohio State. Mm. From Ohio State. Absolutely. Jake, you got one more? Yeah, um, I was going to go Ritter as the number one overall quarterback, but I don't feel like that's too bold. So, Oh, my God. It doesn't hit Sandy levels of bold yeah, yet. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think that's fine, but I'll, I'll go with something a little more near and dear to some fans' hearts up in Detroit. Your, your Detroit Lions are making the playoffs this year, baby. Oh, man. I could see that. I could definitely and see that. That's just the floor for them. That's beautiful. As we mentioned, the NFC is just not what it used to be, so I could see a team like the Detroit Lions sneaking in. Maybe they won't make any noise, but the the fact of making the playoffs would absolutely be phenomenal. We it would, would it, it would, would be great. it would prove that 
the right coaches there and that they're actually working towards something. Now, maybe in the next year or two, they get a, a better, younger quarterback, and, and who knows? Yeah. I think with the Lions, it would take a colossal co- a catastrophe to the Vikings and the Packers, and then they could somehow win the division because the Bears are no threat. That would be awesome. But a co- they're a couple injuries away from being the winners of the NFC North. Absolutely. Wow. wow. I agree. Sandy, last one. My last one, and – this is a guy who we brought up about the Jacksonville offense, a guy who I actually do like, and I don't think he's been liked a lot across the boards, Christian Kirk. I think he could finish as a top 20 receiver just because of sheer volume. That's not bold enough, Sandy. You don't think so? <laughs> not bold yeah, enough. Compared to your other ones. I should have saved the Julio one for last. Oh, my God. <laughs> Would you put Chris Christian Kirk top 15 or top 12? No. <laughs> top 20, he's in that 15 to 20. That's as high as I will go with him. And that's still going to be really good. That's the thing. Having him in that, he's going to be a very, a very valuable asset to have long-term because we know. Yeah. And we know Trevor Lawrence has a lot of potential to be good. They keep building around them. A guy like Christian Kirk that they lock in, they went after him, they paid him the money. They get, they're going to give him the ball. I mean, that, that's bold enough for me because he's never been better than 25th. And that was his best year ever. So twenty sixth, he was yeah, his best. So to say that he's going to be a top twenty when you're getting him in like the eighth, ninth, tenth round in redraft leagues, then yeah, that's fair. I'll give it to you. I just I, I see the potential in Christian Kirk. This is his first opportunity, and what better opportunity to, than to be able to rap, rack up garbage, you know, points. Absolutely. <laughs> I could see that. If he finished the year with like 150 targets, I mean, yeah, he could absolutely be a top 15 guy. He could be up there with a guy like Brandon Cooks. You know, on a bad team, you get a lot of volume. That sounds about right. Now, absolutely. I think Brandon Cooks is better, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Brandon Cooks could finish top 12. Yeah, Brandon Cooks is a great guy to have. But, yeah, Christian Kirk, I see it this year. I really do. Well, if that's all you guys have, that's all I have. And that's going to be the end of today's show. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening today. Check us out on our socials at The Ball Bros Podcast. Let's ride.